There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Alan Patel. And I'm Naomi Sheldon. And we're your hosts of The Pleasure Podcast. I'm a doctor specialising in sexual function. And I'm a writer with an interest in the intimate. We talk to guests to help us understand the relationship we have with our bodies when it comes to sex and intimacy. It's a whole new kind of sex education for your owl... Careful. ...pleasure. (laughs) In this episode of The Pleasure Podcast, we have Gemma Kearney. She's an award-winning broadcaster, youth rights activist and author as well as presenting a multitude of radio shows and documentaries for the BBC. She founded the production company Boom Shakalaka Productions, specialising in podcasts and theatre. In her BBC Radio 4 series, The Sound Odyssey, she travelled the world with British musicians to collaborate with the local musicians of the areas they visited. She presents the BBC Six Leisure Society, interviewing cultural icons about their loves beyond what they're known for. Her interview of Grace Jones for Amazing Grace won the best music show Rose. We're going to talk to Gemma today about music, eight tracks which first made her feel that music had the power to change her emotionally, physically and connected her to pleasure as a DJ and as a lover of music. My first radio job was to co-present the One Extra Breakfast show with Trevor Nelson. That was your first job? Yeah. I remember growing up watching Trev on the lick or doing an extended interview with Mary J Blige in the back of a limo on the telly and I'd met him and um, he told me to come and pilot for the One Extra Breakfast show as his co-host was leaving and I didn't know how to drive a radio desk but I did love with my heart and guts music. I genuinely thought it was only going to last for a bit of time. I thought, you know, I'm going to mess this up and that's to do with other stuff from just being a kid and being told that I was going to amount to nothing Mm. and then being like alternative and brown and all of these things that I am I was just like whatever let's just go with this and have a good time Mm. I always credit the BBC in general and so the people around me at that time giving me the opportunity to learn my craft to love music in an open way to broadcast that to speak about that to, to really, really harness the knowledge that music can be profound and bring people together. In the same yeah. way that I kind of knew that theatre did, because I'd been to drama school, but I was just like, this is so, so special and magic. Yeah. It is a pleasure to share music, particularly in a live sense. When you play a tune that you know people are going to dance to or laugh with you about, it's so fun to have that responsibility. Well, we wanted to to do a podcast um, specifically, well, an episode of the Pleasure Podcast specifically on music, because I think for both, am I right in saying, Alan, for, for both you and me, 
music has played a really important role in our mental health in um, I, I mean I think it's um, universal really it's why it's so, such a powerful thing what was the sort of music that you were into from a very young age um I know we're not allowed to say his name anymore, but just like everyone else, I was enraptured by Michael Jackson's yeah. pop artistry. Yeah. And I just found his lyrical genius just so compelling. I remember having the Dangerous album and pulling out the album artwork for whole afternoons. I was just in awe of the beats and the weirdness. I gave a talk about Michael Jackson at school when I was cool. 11 years I mean, old. Yeah. He was the only poster that was on my wall, like forget, take that, really? any of that. Yeah, it was Michael Jackson yeah. and I used to kiss his mouth every Did day. Wow. Oh, I know it's um, interesting. Now. But it just, it's, it's, it's fascinating. <laughs> but his music still moves me. Yeah. I mean, if I listen to Man in the Mirror, it's on, I, I, it was when we made mixtapes because it was a level of pleasure about sitting there and taking the time. And it would normally take you about a couple of hours to make a 90 minute tape. I would make myself 90 minutes of music that would take me on a journey. So the first few songs would be quite low. Björk, Play Dead. It would be that sort of stuff. And then there'd be something slightly more inspiring like Rain by Madonna, just bringing you up a little bit. Oh and then you'd really get to crescendo. The Man in the Mirror they would be playing that there would be um, Nick Kershaw wouldn't it be good to be in your shoes but it was like Englishman in New York all, all these songs that were about being someone else or being transported to another place or managing to reimagine yourself in a place that you were happier again mm. that you were where you wanted to be and, and I'd end the thing on Olympian by Gene I can only be normal with you and it's just got a really lovely refrain where Martin Roster is shouting that out of his lungs. And I remember being on the couch and I was singing my heart out and I finished and I sort of turned around to find my two flatmates at the door, just literally <laughs> bent over, crying with laughter. And I was both shamed and going, actually, sod you, I love this. Yes, it would make me so happy. Yeah. I was out by then, I was 19 years old, and I was able to you know, think about myself as being a gay man, but not actually explore any of it, because I was that would be just be a step too far. Mm. So it was fine saying I was gay, it just wasn't fine actually being gay. Mm. So how do I access my emotions and that through music? I think we are so lucky to have grown up when we did, so that we could have explored our identity and taking your time with that and being allowed to take your time with it that's really important we were living in a slower paced world and there is a pleasure and a luxury in things being a bit slower and the fact that maybe it took you a bit more time to really like you say it's a growing up it's a naivety and and music being a place where you could listen to the same song again and again and take the time in your spare time at your weekend to meander beautifully to your local record shop or place where you know I remember going to Athena every <laughs> Saturday where you could just flick through posters and see how, how, how I was going to spend my £5 pocket money and who, who would gain my bit of wall because I just wanted to look at them all the time. People don't even put posters up anymore because hmm. we're just pressing like on Insta instead, which is a limitless amount of love. <laughs> but it's not necessarily very tangible. And I think music is... It's... It's so brilliant. It's just, it's just the bomb. I guess it's my pleasure mixtape, well, right? Is, it is. It is your pleasure mixtape, and one of them is Barry White, just the way you are. And I, when I first heard this, and I hadn't listened to it for a very long time, 
I felt like, well, here we have a real romantic within our, in our midst here. Now, when we asked Gemma to choose the tracks, we sort of forgot that we weren't the BBC. <laughs> um, so we're not unable to play the full music. That's too much. <laughs> um, so what we've done is we've put together a Gemma Kenny playlist, which you can find on iTunes and on Spotify. And we'll also have them in the notes. It wasn't he coined the walrus of love. That's just such a wonderful image. I just have that in my mind's eye now, sort of flip flopping across his bed <laughs> needing to be hosed down occasionally but which is a phrase I've never heard of before walrus of love my mum and dad when they were together and they were really in love and I was really young but I saw them dancing around the lounge to this and thinking that the words were real you know it is very old school and it is easy to say that it's cheesy and it's it's kind of schmaltzy and it's quite fun to laugh at the walrus of love. But the reason why I loved this song when I was little was because it was a man in a really soulful way saying to a woman, you don't need to change. Yeah. And I thought that that was cool even when I was nine, yeah. eight. I, I just thought, how nice. Wouldn't it be nice to say to someone, I love you the way you are. You introduced me to a Portuguese phrase called sedad, mm -hmm. um, which is about nostalgia, because this is definitely what Barry White makes me think of. It's a word that I learnt just last year when I was in Colombia making the Sound Odyssey, which is the Radio 4 series that you mentioned. And uh, I, I met an amazing guy called Gregorio who who told me about sedad. He lived a bit in Brazil. It's a Portuguese word. And it's a type of nostalgia, but a more surrealist nostalgia because it's a longing for something that you might not have necessarily had or even really know. It's just a sort of longing for something in the past or that feels familiar. Mm. And it, it really makes sense to me because I think I'm probably in a state of sudat quite a lot. and. I don't really like the eye roll that comes with being a nostalgic person, which I also am. Um, but I some, it sometimes goes beyond, and I think sudad is a, is a really lovely, lovely term or word mm. to be familiar with. Makes me think of bittersweet. It's that bittersweet essence, isn't it? Um, but for something that you cannot put your finger on, and it's an aching, a longing, that, um, that I think Barry White encompasses <laughs> really well. Well, talking about nostalgia, and um, there's a song in here that certainly felt very nostalgic for me, and that's Lauren Hill, oh. Nothing Even Matters. Oh. We used to listen to The Miseducation of Lauren Hill non-stop, and it felt like a revolutionary um, type of music for me. I just hadn't heard this kind of music before, and it felt like a real gateway. She almost is a genre in her own right, especially with that album as to how it impacted and ricocheted around the world, because it was pop music, but really soulful pop mm. music. It combined rap and love and youth and energy in the 90s and neo-soul and jazz and... <laughs> bit of reggae sentiment in there like the whole shebang and I think Lauren Hill and the miseducation of is one of the best albums ever made and then there's been so much like when you are a fan of stuff you know stuff that you don't really want to know but like there's been people claiming that she didn't write it all and blah 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 blah, blah and she went mad supposedly and she's went in prison blah, blah, blah. it's like oh my god it's too much does it matter that what's happened after 
but you listen to these songs and they mean something on a physical level. Yeah. You might cerebrally understand that actually, you know, what's gone on has been challenging or difficult, but there is the sense that this reverberates on an intensely deep emotional mm. level. It's important to put things in context, I think, or at least to have the knowledge, the understanding. But aside from that, um, it cannot be denied the power of music um, to have an effect on your body and your mental health. But just the purity of the impact, the energy, the waves of this album needs to be celebrated. It's such a good album. And again, it was one of those ones that just for no rhyme or reason, as me being a young person, just wanted to listen to because it helped me feel how I feel. And this is a love song from the album. It is a collaboration with D'Angelo, who I also love. And it's about how when you are in love, and I am being a romantic again, or you're just spending time with somebody where you can take a day off and you don't care. It's a duvet day, it's a sick day. You, again, these days it would be turning your phone off too and all you wanna do is hang tough with one another and it's a duet about that where nothing matters except for each other. Another song which I felt was particularly treacly and dreamy. Oh God, I do love the treacle factor. Is Plenty by... <laughs> oh God, it's so <laughs> unctuous, isn't it? Guru and Erica Badu. You did ask me for my favourites. Yes, I think, okay. I, and I have to say, I've been listening to this playlist myself on the tube and having just such a lovely time. Good. It completely raises me above all the hubbub and what's going on. <laughs> You'll see cross sweaty people rummaging around trying to get seats and just me five foot off the floor hovering just peaceful and happy I forget periodically how important music is to my my emotions yeah like when I get down and stuff I absolutely have to listen to things like I know it's a love it hate it but I have to listen to ABBA I do it really sorts me out Um, but I forget how it influences me sexually as well of course it has that connection I forget that Erica Badu has been quite important to me as a um, intimate playlist. Yes. So for mm. making me feel very much in my body again. Music really takes me out of myself yeah. and allows me to access, to relax, to fantasize, to access parts of my brain and body that I just haven't been able to if I'm just getting down to it, whether that be me time, masturbation, or whether it be sex. I find playing Erica Badu gets me right back into my body and making me feel present and playful and sexy again. That's so cool. Yeah, she's an important backdrop to to that. Yeah, I think that's excellent, and I th- <laughs> no, I think that's a great thing to describe because I think intimacy again is an art that we are sort of losing in our, in humanity, and it's a good thing to be explored as to what actual intimacy means, and it is to be present in your body, and if there's anyone who's sexy as hell it's Erica Badu she's so sexy total goddess total goddess I mean the voice is incredible as well because it's so uniquely hers Mm -hmm. and that's really delightful and then the song where they're playing they're not talking to each other quite they're talking past each other but they're both talking about someone who is plenty who's not just enough but beyond that just you (laughs) know just almost outside their own body because they Mm -hmm. inhabit so much of it and that's gorgeous and she's talking about a woman who likes 
intimacy and sex and has fun with that and plenty of it yeah, yeah. she gets plenty when she wants plenty. and it's not yeah. discussed let's not discuss women aren't allowed to say that mm. they like to have sex and explore pleasure and yeah. she, and it's done in such a fun way they're kind of having a bit of a of, of banter it's just yeah. like when she wants plenty she gets it but it's done in a way of like it's not done in a shameful way of like oh god isn't she a nasty girl it's like she just gets plenty she and and you know Guru the guy on it is just being like yeah she does <laughs> I got to know Guru was through Jasmataz there was a series of, of albums that were released and he curated one and it was just gorgeous introduced me to his lovely lovely rapping voice which is just beautiful yeah. um, and the way he was was rapping was not angry it was about a warm caressing type of rapping mm. um, that was sensual rather than sexual yeah. I just made a comment that went down like a lead balloon um, and I just wanted to actually bring it up though but here. I think it's good to discuss yeah I mean I basically just said that she seemed like a bit of a nutcase because her views seemed quite out there her music seemed quite out there and then Gemma quite rightly pulled me up and they're going why is that a label that's attributed to women and I thought that about that a bit more and I thought okay Macy Gray also sort of in my head stumbles into that arena of being just um, uh, extraordinary and big and too much and and everything and and different and all of those things and and they're not pejorative terms in my head, but obviously Nutcase does sound like one. I mean, you had views on that. Um, so I thought about this over the years because I am brown and I am a bit much, supposedly, and I have ideals and I talk and I have fun. So therefore, it can definitely be as suppressed as a bit much. So I've thought about this and I've thought about my idols and the people that I'm interested in. And Erica Badu is one of my favourites and naturally was like from age 16. I just remember sort of seeing this woman who was so majestic in a way, in an African diasporic sense and soulful and funny and complex. And then to have a career in the music industry and see how that's deemed becomes a little bit frustrating because and same with Macy Gray. In terms of as an artist, what she represents, what she does to see a woman express with natty hair and say it how it is in terms of how you feel sometimes, it's very easy to label as nutcase. Mm. It comes you? with a whole history, doesn't it? Yeah. Of, well, especially I think for women of colour, but for women generally as well. Yeah, that 100%. You are, that you are too, yeah, you're too loud, you're too much, you're too big. It's just fear, it's just a bit like, oh gosh, like, that's a bit much, yeah. but actually it's magic. Yeah. Nutcase, no, I, re I refute that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to stand up and take that. Yeah. Yeah. I also can't believe that you interviewed Grace Jones. Same thing, same my, thing. Because my, my cat is named Jones after Grace Jones. No way, no yep. way, no way. She is my screensaver on my phone, on my computer. Why, why do you, why do you love Jones her? Because um, it's being a young Asian boy, Yeah. Asians were not really on TV. There yeah. was no real aspiration to be Asian. My mum and dad spent a lot of time trying to make me as integrated as possible. I've had elocution lessons, so I didn't sound no East. No way. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. But the question is, I don't sound East End because lots of my family lived in Plasto. So uh, they did not want to send me to private school with an East End accent. It wasn't like an Asian accent at all. It was just like an East End one. That's it. I oh had to go to. Oh, my God. So you get felt that, you know, you don't want to smell of curry. You don't want to do lots of things. So you are 
homogenized as possible, you're as acceptable as possible. And they were getting you know, feces stuck through a letterbox, they were getting you know, called packy in the street, all of these things, as, as was I. So the idea was to try and disappear in some ways, or at least become less visible. But what was really important to me was black culture, mm. because that was the only thing I could see, and I mm. could really latch onto that, and that sense of being different, but also look at these wonderful people standing up for their blackness, because you can't be anything else but brown or black. Yeah. It's so super visible. You can't hide that away. My first reference point was really her as May Day. Yeah, yeah. And this extraordinary woman in a high top haircut um, being so physical and so powerful and owning her own space and being dramatic. There was no one as powerful as Grace Jones. Mm. You know, she is wearing these amazing clothes, often by amazing fashion designers. Yeah. And the fact that she is this incredible, powerful, extraordinary physical woman. I'm seeing this image of powerful black womanhood, yeah, which isn't particularly displayed at all, certainly no. at that time, and therefore it's revolutionary. Yeah. And so as a small Asian boy, I am looking up to a powerful black woman or an example of a powerful black woman. And that's something that really resonated. My first cats were called Semi and Naomi, after Naomi Campbell, the model, and Semi and Akeem from um, Coming to America. Amazing. Because <laughs> all of my reference points are black, weirdly. Yeah. 
become connected to the songs that you were playing with it meant that you viscerally hated them or you loved them and being able to just hear two and a half minutes of two girls screaming about how they're a 90s bitch yeah yeah and that they don't care that they just like want to go and like tear it up I'd be like go on (laughs) does it take you right back to those times then yeah and I would just like jump around and it would keep me up and I play it sometimes when I DJ and I will literally just bounce at the booth for the full two and a half minutes and I sometimes describe myself as a bit feral and uh, <laughs> I think that's a good thing to explore as a woman because we're sort of meant to be very proper, aren't oh, we? Oh, very prim, very proper, very neat and tidy. And sometimes my answer to that is, I don't care. Yeah, let's mess it up. <laughs> be wild. Yeah. I love how this song takes you back to a certain time as well, specifically, mm. because I suppose when I was like doing my RA level, whatever, we'd have Radio 1 playing in the background all the time. And yes, the same songs would be coming on again yeah. and again. And it meant that I knew those songs inside out, back to front, knew all the words, all the qu- I knew everything about them. And I just don't have that anymore because mm-hmm. I don't listen to the I don't listen to Radio 1 nonstop now. So it's not the same songs played on a loop anymore Um, and I sort of miss that I miss the background of tracks being the soundtrack to my life like that's it why radio is so good I know that you're listening to a podcast right now listener, and that's an amazing thing podcast is great but don't forget if you like audio the power of live radio is unbeatable mm. because it's a connector everyone's listening to it at the same time mm. so yeah Iconopop reminds me of just suddenly having a, a recharged moment yeah, whilst being a radio presenter and uh it's a it's a really fun song. Yeah, it really is. Um, and another very fun song that you've <laughs> chosen is Tutti Fruity oh, by yeah. Little Richard. I love words and I love made up words. Yeah. And Little Richard going like this, a what bamboo bop, a what bamboo. And then just saying, you know, Tootie Fruity, and it transporting me to, again, a moment that I've never experienced but would love to. Yeah. Being in some kind of dance in a dress below my knees and a bow in my hair and being swung around by a guy in a suit and a quiff and spending all night just sweating it out in some kind of formation yeah. equals... Um, a desire that I've never experienced and I'm also really shit at remembering any kind of dance moves I've never been to a swing dance class Um, I've tried to get down in salsa clubs and I step on people's toes we discuss mental health so much but how about finding a less clinical way of defining how we feel better and some of it is just moving your body. <laughs> I keep having this conversation at the moment. It's interesting. Yeah. I keep being told by people, you need to start dancing. Yeah. You need to start moving your body. So a friend of mine, Brigitte Aphrodite, do you know her? She's a writer and performer. Incredible name. Oh, she's incredible. We used to, when we were both a little bit down, we used to meet uh, to do a thing that she designed called Frunning. And it's fun running. We used to meet in Clapton and it's basically a jog, but you can do whatever you fancy. So if you need to stop and hug a tree, you can. We'd make up moves. We'd be like, oh, I just feel to do like the wiggly bogle. (laughs) (laughs) And And the other would follow suit. And I was thinking it is the weirdest thing to do in the world until you would see other runners or people like really working out, sort of giving us a little like wink or credit. 
Brilliant. And also we were trying to outdo each other with our outfits. And it was just for each other. We didn't even like document this, really. Like, we did it in the fog and the snow. But we were also laughing our asses off. <laughs> it's just moving. Yeah, in any way you want to. Move, move, move. We have to move, otherwise we stagnate. You're presenting at Glastonbury mm. this year. Yeah. The fact that tunes can play and can change the atmosphere of an entire field. It is about a oneness, yeah. People say that people in an audience, um, their heart rate begins to beat at the same tempo when they're in an audience of, of a play. So everyone's heartbeat will start to get into sync. It's amazing. Have you, have you heard about no. this? And that is profound. It's super cool. It's yeah. super amazing. It's why people search for it. It's yeah. why people love Glastonbury. It's why people love music. It's why there is such a huge outburst to anyone trying to stop live music from happening. And again, live experience and experience away from, again, theatre being really prevalent of something that I'm exploring as a medium because it takes us away from our phones for however long mm -hmm. it is. But it's that real for. communality of experience. It's a very um, sort of tribal thing to do, mm -hmm. that you will all be in one place. It's so good. It's, it, it can be sexy, it can be emotional, it can be spiritual, it can be ridiculous, and it can be make you angry, which sometimes is important too. Which brings me on to our next song. Mm -hmm. Not an angry song, but no. a club song. Too Many Men. Oh, yes. Boy, you better know. Come on, come on, come on. It's quite different to where we started, isn't it? What, what, from we... Just The Way You Are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, from Barry White to BBK. I love the fact that BBK, aka Boy Better Know, aka The Grime Collective, um, that are quite well known because of Skepta now. Grime music became more mainstream in the past three years, let's say, but has been around for definitely over a decade. And... I love that this was made quite a while ago and it does feel ahead of its time because it feels like a feminist, <laughs> a feminist anthem. Does, doesn't it? <laughs> if you give it the context of like the whole of the music industry <laughs> or radio or what, the literary world, it's like, yeah, yeah, we need some more girls in here. <laughs> and that came to me when I watched Boy Better Know on the side of the stage at Glastonbury and they were doing a big set it was a big moment for them and I was just like this is so cool this is so nice to see it in this space and then it was just like we need some more girls and I was like wait a minute wait a minute yes 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 <laughs> and I think it was written I think I've never asked the question to the writers of the track as to whether it was a feminist anthem or um, that it might be as literal as like we're in a club and it would be nice to see some more women. <laughs> Let's make it free for women, free drinks for women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We can uh, take it for our own feminist anthem. Yeah, I, I just love it. It's fun. I think grime music is innovative, exciting, rousing. It's very British. I have liked it for a long time. It, there is a huge masculine energy around it, which obviously, again, if you were to intellectualise, can be unpicked to high heaven. But at the same time, it's pretty big. Um, another song we've got here is Oops Oh My Oh by Tweet <laughs> it's a very hot song I didn't realise this but you ladies taught me this is basically a woman coming back home after whatever she's been doing <laughs> and she's a little bit drunk and so she decides to basically knock one out 
It's not gone out. Is that even? It's kind of like a boy. Sorry, feminine spirit. Okay, sorry, forgive me. You, you, you bring it for me. Well, it's funny because it's making us all giggle and search for the words because female masturbation is not discussed, is it? Like mm. girls don't admit to masturbating or they're not connotated with it in any way but guys kind of are and this is a pop song a really fun catchy club tune about a woman feeling hot on her own thinking about someone that she fancies and that is quite progressive and it's from like way back when it's like a really old school song in some ways an old school R&B track and I just think that it's it's glorious. It's gorgeous. It's transgressive and progressive. It's really, really <laughs> one of those gorgeous things. But the music is sort of unctuous as well, isn't it? Yeah. Sort of sinuous. You can imagine the sort of ebb and flow of things. Yeah, I still don't know what that sound is, but that... <laughs> I really love it. It feels like it's one of them coma. It sounds like someone, a creaky door, like someone's popping their head and going, oh, sorry. So, somebody's busy in there. <laughs> we were discussing songs about wanking. There is one by Alt J, which is a bit more recent. About boys. Yeah, about boys. Really? Having 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 a having a. Why do I feel so embarrassed? You're allowed to say having a wank. Having a wank. And it's called Left Hand Free. I feel like Chanel Monet would have done um, a track about probably, masturbation, but course. I feel like I haven't heard it, but it's in there somewhere. Yeah, it might, there might, there, there's probably loads. In fact, it would be amazing if you are listening mm. to this and you can think of loads. Please of, let us know. Let us know, like tweet us. Where do they tweet? Who do they tweet? Well, we're at The Pleasure Pod and we're, we're also at hello. hello at thepleasurepodcast.com. One last song from you, Gemma, okay. which is Closer Than Close oh, by Rosie yeah. Keynes. The the garage remix, which I think yeah. it must be, or yeah. the fast version, is. is really really exceptional. It's like yeah. closer than close, yes. closer than you ever can imagine, and then it goes on forever. Yes. And at the end, she's still scatting, and you just got this image of this woman, just, and she she feels womanly. She doesn't feel like a reckless girl, like you know how the "I Love It" song induces this real kind of youthful energy. It's like this woman just being like closer than you, like I know what I'm doing, and I'm staying out, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> to me, there's loads of intimacy in it. It's not yeah. necessarily about sex. It's like, you know, we are going to be- not become one necessarily, but we are going to be getting as close as you possibly can yeah. to one another. And I made a garage playlist last year because I was thinking about my love of garage music. And I realised that some of the really, like, fun UKG stuff that got really popular in the 90s was all about snogging and intimacy and cute things. Like sweet, like chocolate. Oh yeah. I'll bring you flowers in the pouring rain. Mm. Like, there's more credible stuff like MJ Cole's Crazy Love, which if you speak to any garage head, like took takes really seriously as a as a as a pinnacle time. So you would iron your your Moschino shirt. You would go out. You would dance all night, and the words that you were dancing to were like, "I'm crazily in love with you." There's something so nice about that. Yeah. I just I loved making the playlist of it because it was really sweet. Will and you share it, it with yeah. us? We'll put it in our notes. Yes, yes. And there's a picture of me. <laughs> oh, yeah. When I was oh my god, I, d- I think I must have been no older than nineteen. Sweet. Yeah. Dancing around a pole. Oh. <laughs> that kind of picture. <laughs> listen, listen. We can't erase this part of our Mm-mm. of our past growing up mm-hmm. in the nineties, mm-hmm. which was very like. Like Ladette, but at the same time, it was super sexualized. <laughs> it yeah. was hi- hyper sexualized. Drinking culture was high, and yeah. so was like the sexualization of of and women. Christina Aguilera is wearing chaps and a and a thong. 
But we were also taught that to own our our hypersexuality was a form of empowerment. And I feel that it was missold to us in many ways. Yeah, I agree. Um, It was quite a capitalist sell, a lot of this girl power stuff. There I was, loving life, age 18, in Cavos, in a Union Jack bikini top. <laughs> and yeah, so I someone unearthed that picture and I just thought, own it. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and and uh, it's the picture for my garage playlist. We'll share that. And um, in some ways I was empowered. I was having an absolute ball. Yeah. And I posted it on Instagram. People were like, every girl of your age has got a picture like this. Mm-hmm. They're now woke feminists and they're terrified of, but... It, it was just part of what it was. Well, music has a power, doesn't it, to um, be the soundtrack to our lives. It is literally the soundtrack to our lives. We were yeah. taken back to those times, those sorts of crime tracks that you're talking about, take us right back to being 15, 16, 17, mm. 18. And, um, and then we can all experience sadad about it. Yeah. <laughs> or just sad about it. Well, <laughs> sad, not. but it's just not as cherished so much, mm. I think. That's mm. what I think. And I don't mean that in a deeply angry way. No. I just... Remember the importance of music, the pleasure that it brings, the time of making a mixtape. Send a mixtape to a friend that you're worried about, like collate collaborative playlists on Spotify and stuff like this. There is, yeah. there is, there is a chance to, to just breathe and enjoy um, an experience without having to like really, 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 really like work it out what it means yeah. in the power of music. In the play that I wrote, Good Girl, um, which I loved and how I met you and saw in a tiny theatre and was like, we got to be mates. <laughs> For the final paragraph I talk about, I know how shitty I've been feeling by how much ABBA it takes me to feel back to normal again. And it's true. Um, if I listen to an album of ABBA, like the Gold album, it can pull me out from feeling in quite deep depression to feeling actually really okay with the world. And I think music as medicine can be a really powerful tool to have in our lives as a part of self-care as a part of knowing who we are and also being able to share that medicine being able to say oh here's a playlist that works for me Mm -hmm. i want you to experience this too a real intimate gift totally and i really like anyone that i've shared music with even if things haven't lasted or or you end up falling out as friends or whatever anyone that i've really had that those proper shared music moments it's just so such a nice thing to do yeah so thank you well, thank, thank you, you for, for sharing it with us indulge. do check out Gemma's podcasts The Leisure Society and Open Up with Gemma Kearney being the polymath she is Gemma has a beret collaboration with Mary Benson you can buy yours at marybenson.london Thank you for listening to The Pleasure Podcast. If you enjoyed this, you can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes to give the series a boost and help other people find us. Give us five stars, you lovely lot. Thank you, Acast, for hosting us. Matt Peaver for editing us. Ollie Birch for the music. And Sam Smith for the graphics. Join us next time when we interview another guest for their insights on the relationship we have to our bodies, sex and, of course, pleasure. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.